The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower any creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Happy July, viewers and listeners. Excited for the month ahead. Excited for the many stories we're going to have, the fantastic guests that we're going to have throughout this incredible month it's going to be a blast and i'm also excited for the co-hosts that are joining us along the way including our co-host this week we are joined by the fantastic the beloved america's sweetheart katie zaccardi's joining us hi katie I didn't know I was America's sweetheart. I'm learning this for the first time. Well, as any America's sweetheart, right? You're you're humble about it. Oh, I had no idea. But, you know, <laughs> I talked to America. They were pretty clear about it. Well, I can't blame them. They were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that is just that's the 180 we need. I mean, g- going right from America's sweetheart, me Within five seconds to, yeah, damn straight. (laughs) Do they know how great of an artist coach I am and how much of an indie artist advocate I am? Of course, America knows what they're talking about. For real. (laughs) Uh, I am thrilled to have you opening the July installments of Break the Business with us. I enjoy having you on every week. We've got so much great stuff to talk about. And as our resident TikToker of all Mm -hmm. of our our coterie of co-hosts that we have on this show... I'm excited to have you here to help me interview the guests that we're going to have on in the next segment. One of my favorite follows on TikTok, lawyer and TikTok sensation, Reb Mazel is going to be joining us. She is hilarious. She is wonderful. Even though I have to have like 10 years on her as a lawyer, she's (laughs) the lawyer I want to be when I grow up. Uh, (laughs) So smart, so funny. Her TikToks are incredible and I think among Gen Zers, I mean, I haven't pulled Gen Zers on this, but I think she is the most famous lawyer to Gen Zers. If you just ask, if you just poll Gen Zers, like if I polled my nieces right now and said, who is the most, like, who's the first person you think of when you think of lawyer? They're probably going to think Reb Mazel just because of how active she is on TikTok and how incredibly popular she is with that demographic, how how engaging she is to this group, how well she reaches out and explains the law to them in simple to understand terms. Oh, and my favorite thing that she does, the the coolest thing that she does in her videos, and you'd like this, Katie, she reads like funny court transcripts, just the most ridiculous things that are uttered in court hearings. She reads them with just like this amazing, hilarious, deadpan delivery. And I I think you've you've, you've binged her videos, right? Oh, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because I... When you told me she was coming on, I actually wasn't familiar with her before, but I watched a bunch of her videos and I was kind of like planning to just kind of go quickly through it. Not quickly, but like, you know, watch a little bit, move on just so that I could watch as many as possible so I could get a gist of who she was. And then I found myself just like jaw on the floor, like unable to scroll from one of those posts. Like 
so immersed in it. She does such a great job and I'm really excited to talk to her. Absolutely. And one of the things that you do on TikTok that I really like, Katie, is you 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 make videos about explaining how artists go viral. Like what mm-hmm. made a particular video catch fire on the platform and people learn a lot from those videos. From what you've seen of Reb, what is what do you think is the thing that's making her just so engaging to this population? Okay, really good question. Lawyering in law is not the first thing I would think would catch fire on TikTok. My five TikTok followers bear that out. Yeah. But why, you know, what makes her so good in your eyes? Okay, we, let's break this down. I think there's a couple of things. The first is that she seems to have a few series. And like the example you gave of her reading um, the transcripts is one of them. So she kind of found what worked. She found uh, that type of video and a couple other types of videos that really work with her audience. And she does that over and over and over again. That's a really good way to build trust with your audience and to just like keep delivering them what they want. With those videos specifically, I think that the reason that they work is because there's a couple things going on. Number one, she's got the visuals in the background, but she also will kind of like block them as she's reading it. So you are wanting to see what's going to happen next, but it's also in the way she's reading it. Like she, like you said, deadpan is really funny in the way she's reading it. So she kind of really plays on this. Like you, you have people's attention spans because she's not just like reading it in a script. It's behind them. They're trying to read it. Um, and it's genuinely funny. So like you want to stick around and learn, learn more. I think that in general though, something that sets her apart from other lawyers or just like makes her content interesting is that she is relatable. She is talking to her audience like she is a part of her audience, as in like she is Gen Z. She's not talking to Gen Z like a boomer who's like, you need to know this thing about the law. She's talking to them like she gets them. She knows their pain points. She knows what they don't know about law and she can make herself relatable because of that. And also she just seems cool. She just has such a cool energy. And so I think for people, it's like, oh yeah, like I just want to hang out with you. I just want to get to like be in your space. And she makes the to- these topics that are otherwise kind of hard to understand. You know, law is dense. It's not something you can grasp easy, but I think that because she is cool and relatable and she talks to you like she is a member of like, again, like she gets her audience. That's what really sets her apart. Which, by the way, isn't just an important skill for a TikToker. It's an important and very rare skill for a lawyer to have, right? A yeah. A, a good lawyer can You're explain. Right. <laughs> yeah, a good lawyer can explain things like a lawyer. A great lawyer can explain things like a client and yeah. can speak a client's language. Can take the dense, which I think was the, the adjective you use, subject matter of the law, and mm-hmm. make it easy to consume. And she is so so good at that. Yeah. And, you know, the TikToks are great. Her podcast rebuttal is fantastic. We're going to talk to her all about that, what it means to be such a popular TikToker, podcaster. Oh, and by the way, she's practicing law and doing really well at that. How does she balance that? What's what's her day to day? I'm excited to, to really break all of that down because I think our indie creator viewers and listeners are going to learn a lot from that. That's all yeah. coming up in the next segment. In the meantime, though, since we are opening July... I want to talk about what I think is the thing that people are most excited for (laughs) pop culturally when it comes to July. And that is what is happening on July 21st, or what has been dubbed so deliciously as Barbenheimer, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. premiere of both 
the Barbie movie and the J. Robert Oppenheimer biopic coming out on the same day. I have heard that there are some people out there, crazy people perhaps, who intend to double feature this movie on the same day. Go right yeah. from uh, Barbie into Oppenheimer. And that just seems like uh, uh, too much of a contrast, right? Too big of a whiplash to do those. Because look, on one hand, you have a movie that is a gripping and uncompromising portrait of one of history's most important and controversial figures. And then you also have this other movie about J. Robert Oppenheimer. And <laughs> I, I just don't know how you do both of those in one day. That seems like quite a shift. First of all, that was good. Second of all, yes. I think what's also interesting about it is that I think that... Like, you would expect these two movies to have completely different audiences. And probably to agree that a degree they do. But really, people seem to be coming around to the fact that they want to see both. And maybe it is just the girlies who are rallying around both. Because I don't know who else wants to see Barbie. But I almost think that the hype around both of them might be opening people up who previously were haters of the Barbie movie to actually being interested in the Barbie movie. Cause they're leaning into it. I think both PR teams are leaning into the fact that it's coming out on the same day. There's some like camaraderie there. And I feel like that just makes it so much more fun. I think the Barbie movie is going to be not just good, but exceptional. You Me see too. this sometimes in Hollywood where the marketing push behind a movie it is so big and it's so unexpected. You're like, yeah. why is this getting so much of a push? Yeah. And it's because the studio knows what they've ha they have. Yeah. You know, they're seeing the screeners, they're seeing the early cuts and they're like, this is lightning in a bottle for whatever reason, you know, it's Greta Gerwig, an amazing director, Margot yeah. Robbie, who's great in everything she's in. It all just works. And they realize they have a huge hit on their hands. And so they're throwing a full, publicity push behind it and i think there's no better indication that this movie is going to be way better than any of us thought it was going to be because of how much love it's getting early on here i agree and i will say like the one thing i was nervous about about the barbie movie was and i'm i'm sorry for saying this almost but like i thought ryan gosling was like not giving ken you know it just wasn't it just i thought maybe a little too old or just not the vibe I saw some clips of him. He is so freaking funny. In just a 30-second clip, I was laughing so hard. So if that's any indication of what the whole movie is going to be, I'm really excited. Second, I know that they got, like, Mattel on board for some, like, plot points, which I feel like is also really good. You know, it's really indicative of, like, if they can agree that this like needs to happen and that the plot is good and that they want to kind of like give their permission. Like that is also a good sign. But then lastly, exactly what you said, the, the amount of money that they have poured into promoting this and there's Barbie houses, dream houses, like everywhere months before there's interviews happening. There's Margot Robbie, like dressing like different Barbies on all of the red carpets she's on. Like there's so much thoughtfulness going into it that, I don't know how people are not hyped because I'm so hyped for this movie. I'm trying to think of the last time 
I mean, what was the last time that a, a movie got this kind of push where people got this excited? It was probably the the TikTok, uh, not the TikTok, the Top Gun <laughs> sequel. I think was you know that that movie brought a lot of people like, back to cineplexes. But I think this I, is even a bigger push. I think it's a like I think what Top Gun had is that it was a sequel, and so. I don't even think that the press push was as big, but I think that they had the advantage of just like announcing really, really early that they were doing a sequel. So for many, many years, people were like, oh yeah, the it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So everyone knew. But with this, honestly, with the Barbie movie, I think musicians can learn a ton from this campaign because it's, it's really a masterful lesson in why you need to start promoting things early. So if you have a release coming out I mean, or an album coming out or anything that you're working on to start teasing it and start like priming the pump early and getting your audience interested and involved early is so, well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what the box office numbers actually do before I like speak too soon. But even just in the hype of the amount of people talking about it, and I think the interest that they're getting, like that's what you want when you're releasing something. And the reason it's happening is not just because of the money that they put into it. It's because they've started early and they're hitting it hard with social media. And you don't need a ton of money for social media. You know, you don't really need any. Yeah, I think there there could be a whole masterclass on what indie creators can learn in terms of their own promotion just by seeing how the Barbie movie was promoted, even yeah. in the very early stages of promotion. Like what was the first thing that we saw with the Barbie movie? It wasn't a trailer, right? It was just a couple clips. It was a still image. This is what, you know, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie look like just one little shot of them on like the Barbie roller skates or whatever down Venice beach. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to get the chatter going. That was enough to get like, you know, even the people who were like, Oh, Ryan Gosling doesn't look like Ken. That's still publicity, right? Yep. And you know, it got people talking. And yep. so indie creators can learn from that. Like, you know, breadcrumbing kind of those early moments when you're creating something, getting the chatter going very, very early in the development so that you can control as much of the promotional narrative for as long as possible up into the crescendo of the release of whatever your project is. Yeah, exactly. Without doing it in a way that makes people annoyed that you're talking about it so much. And so that is also the art. Cause like, you'll notice that the Barbie movie is giving us clips now. So we can get a teeny, teeny, tiny look into some of the scenes in the movie. So they're giving us content that's kind of like keeping us fed, but leaving us wanting more. So it's like finding that right balance. Cause if you are releasing a song and you're just playing the same, you know, two stanzas over and over and over again, and then never like building on that, people yeah. will just be like, okay, forget it. But when you can do it and drip it out really like tastefully, it's really effective. Yeah. I I'm blown away with this. Like I would have, I would have never thought to that. I would go see the Barbie movie, you know, was not part of my childhood but because of how well this has been promoted and the chatter about it and just i can tell from the marketing push this is going to be a really good movie i'm going to go see this like i'm a person who wouldn't have otherwise go gone to see this who now because of the marketing will go and see this and yeah. i think there's a lot that creators can learn from that before we get to, I think we, I think we're gonna, I want to talk about Twitter threads and that okay. it just launched today. But before we do, um, let's talk a little AI Overlord here. <laughs> AI
instead of doing a tip this week from the AI overlord, I figured I would update the viewers and listeners with what the AI overlord has been up to. Because apparently our friend ChatGPT, the AI overlord, isn't just making tips of the week for our show, but it's, it's out getting work out in the industry. And most recently, this was a, I think a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, Live 95.5, a radio station in Portland, Oregon, had AI replace one of its DJs. Uh, the DJ, the AI DJ was called uh, uh, AI... I can't remember the name of the DJ, but uh, whatever they, whatever their midday host was, they replaced the host with somebody from AI, an AI generated DJ. Somebody from AI. Yeah, they they they, they <laughs> talked they talked to AI. They met with AI, and you know they they sent they sent gave somebody over. Best. They gave one of their best, and you know I'm gonna let the viewers and listeners judge what they think of this. Uh, Lauren, do we have a clip from this particular AI DJ talking to a a listener on their program? It's AI Ashley calling our first Taylor Swift winner. Hello? Hey there. Who's this? It's AI Ashley from Live 95.5. What's your name? This is Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Where are you from? Salem, Oregon. Do you have any idea why I might be calling you today? Um, the only thing I can think of is Taylor Swift. Did you text in to win the tickets? Yes. It looks like you got every keyword on Friday. I tried really hard. I tried really hard. Well, that's why I'm calling today. Stop it. Lisa, you won. Stop it. Oh, my God. No way. Yes way. You're going to see Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And not only that, we're going to send you some merch from the Taylor Swift and Fearless era to wear to the show. Stop it. I'm so excited. Do you know who your plus one is going to be? Uh, my granddaughter. Is she a big Swifty? Yep. Huge. Huge. Uh, I think we've heard enough so of that. So AI Ashley was her name. There it is. Oh, um, my so that is our AI overlord getting out into the radio industry. Uh, what do you that's think? Crazy. Okay. That's like scary and cool and, but kind of scary. And I like, <laughs> I love how like <laughs> she was so close to really, really sounding real. The inflections were still kind of robotic, but like that is insane. I don't, I'm like kind of speechless because I, you know what I think the weirdest part is, is that the person on the other side of that is having a conversation with a robot. Yeah, that's a little creepy. Right? Uh, but the, like, like, they must know it, but they also like don't, it's not like registering, like they're reacting as if it's like a human talking to them. Oh my gosh. Well, when we do the tip of the week segment with the AI overlord here, it's always with this sort of tongue in cheek sense of satire of like, oh, the machines are coming for all the creators' jobs. And maybe that will happen someday. Yeah. But nothing about that clip is making me fearful that AIs are going to replace DJs anytime soon. The first okay. adjective that comes into my head when I hear that is that was boring. That was That's boring true. radio. The DJ is giving away tickets to Taylor Swift. The most difficult concert ticket that anybody can get right now. You you did a whole episode a couple week a couple months ago on this podcast about the adventures you had trying to see Taylor in concert. And yes. the AI could not muster could muster all the excitement of 
like when somebody's being held for ransom and you're talking to your parents on the other side, like giving them proof of life. It was, she said like the DJ sounded despondent. Yeah. Yeah. You got Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah. You can yeah. bring anybody with you. It's, it was yeah. also giving like collection call. Like, do you yes. have a reason for my call today? <laughs> that, that is so true. And it's so funny that this is our segment too, because last night I had a dream that I got tickets to Taylor Swift, but for some reason I couldn't get like to my seats at the venue. So like Taylor Swift was playing and then I like couldn't get to her. And I think you're right. Now that you bring that up, you're right. Cause I was really focused on just like, oh yeah, the things are being said, but the truth is that it is kind of boring. And the, um, like the emotions that the connection isn't there. So yeah. it's like, they might last for a little while, but how long, how long until people get bored? I don't know. I don't listen to radio anymore either though. So here's the part of it that worries me though. I think we are a long way, a long way away from artificial intelligence being as good as your replacement level local radio DJ. We're, we're a long way from that, but the problem is dollar for dollar, the yeah. AI DJ is a lot cheaper. And a lot of these big content companies, these big radio platforms are going to be willing to sacrifice the quality of their talent if it means shaving down their costs, right? If they can get one third of yeah. the talent for one one hundredth of the price by replacing a human with AI, they're going to do it. And that sucks to me. But what's the trade-off, though? Because then if they keep replacing people with AI, but the AI DJs are boring and people stop listening, they're going to well, lose more money. Well, but that's the essence of the writer's strike, though, right? Is that we yeah. can't trust these big companies, these big content providers, these big IP holders with being able to understand that you need to invest in talent, even though humans are expensive because quality matters. Mm -hmm. They just see the short term. They see what's, how do we shrink our costs yeah. by the next quarter so that we can keep our stock prices high by keeping our costs down. And they don't think of the long-term ramifications. They don't think of the long-term ramifications when, for example, they take shows off of streaming services, not just stop making new seasons, but taking the yeah. shows off the streaming service entirely the to Grease cut show. costs. What's you, that? That's like the Grease show, what they did with like the, the Grease show. Yes. Peacock. Like that's just so, and, and what's crazy too, is that like, they're not, they, I feel like they're just not thinking. It's like, do you not, they think that just because things are different now that, things are different now and <laughs> it's like might have streaming <laughs> but that doesn't mean that uh oh my dog is barking at the outsiders <laughs> can you hear him yes i can we all can <laughs> oh no ziggy ziggy stop but what i mean to say is that like i think it still can take people time <laughs> time oh, to get into tv shows and with things like that it's like <laughs> <laughs> the dog is coming in at the perfect times right as you are getting to like the big part of your point the dog's like here's where i gotta interrupt <laughs> ziggy stop it i don't know if ziggy's agreeing with you or disagreeing with you in the points nah, that you're making he's protecting my honor so whatever <laughs> that's worth but literally point being that if 
it sometimes it takes time for people to build that connection with things or it takes time for people to hear about it not every marketing campaign is the barbie marketing campaign and i think that we need to have a little bit more like faith and trust about humans being able to write good things and other humans being able to take time to like build the connections with the shows or pieces of art instead of just like this instant gratification and money grabbing type of world that we've fallen into. I hope that that's what happens. I hope that your vision uh, carries forward. Cause if I have to listen to terrestrial radio, that sounds like that. <laughs> I, I, like, I can't think of anything that in this world, in this moment, that would make me happier than getting a phone call from somebody telling me that I have Taylor Swift tickets. That would bring me an incomprehensible amount of joy, equaled perhaps by the birth of my first son. And <laughs> and like honestly, it's like one A and one B at take this point. Me, right, Ryan? I mean, yes absolutely but <laughs> if the person telling me that on the other side of the phone had all of the enthusiasm of a debt collection <laughs> agent because it was an ai doing it like that would just ruin it for me yeah, yeah. like that it would just be absolutely heartbreaking all right a uh, couple more minutes before we go to break and before we bring on reb mazel here i wanted to quickly talk about something that just came on my radar right before we came on this show on July 5th, as we record this, in fact, like maybe an hour before we started recording this, they started letting people on the new Instagram threads service. So Instagram has launched threads. It is a competitor to Twitter. It has an almost identical interface to Twitter. You can, uh, they, they're not tweets, obviously. They're probably called threads or something like that. I just signed up, break the business for it. And I am ex- by the t- and by the time this goes up on the air on SiriusXM, I think we'll know even more about Threads. But I'm excited for this platform, Katie. I have made no secret of the fact that I am not particularly pleased with the state of Twitter lately. Mm-hmm. I think you've left Twitter entirely, so you're not loving it right now. Yeah. And I believe the marketplace pr- has gotten hungry for a Twitter alternative. We've had a few that have popped up like Mastodon and Blue Sky and Post, and they're around and some people are on them, but it's it's hard to for people to want to leave Twitter unless they know that there's a place where everybody else is. Yeah. And if you know that if you're going to go on Mastodon, you know that none of your friends are going to be there and none of the people you love are going to be there. If Reb Mazel's not there, you're not going to be there. Yeah. Whereas you know people are going to be on threads because all you have to do to set up a threads account is use your existing Instagram account. So if you have Instagram, you have threads just by clicking a couple you know, mouse clicks on your mouse. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, keep in mind, whenever I make a prediction, I'm always wrong. I have a 100% failure rate with predictions on this program. But <laughs> I predict with everything that's that Instagram threads has to offer, I think it's going to effectively replace Twitter within 24 months. Yeah. Yeah. I Now, will it be successful? I don't know, but I do think it will replace Twitter. Well, at least in the <laughs> sense that I think it's going to be bigger than Twitter in 24 months. Okay. So that's interesting because this is my perspective on it. And you are right. I try to stay unbiased because I help a lot of my clients with building on social media. And ultimately, they need to find the pl- platforms that are right for them. But I'm a Twitter hater. Like, I am. I got off Twitter years ago because I found it to just be really, really negative. Like everyone on there was depressed and being a super Debbie Downer. And maybe that's just the feed I was on, but it was really bad for my mental health. So I got off. 
then with all of the stuff that's been going on in the last year with Twitter, I just think that they're running. And by the way, was this pre or post Elon taking over? This was way pre Elon. Like this was wow. Probably, this was pre pandemic that I got off Twitter. You be ditched Twitter before it was cool. All right. Yeah, because because honestly, it was probably like it was pre pandemic. It's probably 2018 or 2019. And I was really struggling with my own mental health. And I would just go onto Twitter and everyone would be like, the world is on fire and everything sucks and the sky is black. And like, I was just like, I, this is not helping me. So I got off Twitter, like I said, a while ago, but I've been watching everything that's been happening. And I've just been like, okay, this is just like a dumpster fire. Um, And then just the other day, uh, we were having really bad thunderstorms here in Nashville can sometimes lead to tornadoes. And there's a Twitter account that's Nashville severe weather to keep up with these things. And I kept going to check their Twitter account on my phone, just like on the web browser. And it wouldn't let me see anything. It kept trying to make me sign in I go to TikTok and find out that now they've put a paywall, like where if you don't have an account, you can't see anything. And then they're going to experiment with a paywall where you, you have to pay a certain amount to like see a certain number of posts. And I just feel like this is just another nail in the coffin with Twitter on their own. They are dying, but now that threads is coming into the picture, I don't see why people have any reason to stay on Twitter and not go to threads and fully embrace that. My only like thing that I'm looking out for and questioning is that at there seems to be this idea that like Instagram is also dying, but I wonder if this is going to help Instagram or if threads is going to go downhill ish with Instagram. I kind of think it might help it though. So we'll, I'm really curious to see what happens. It's going to make, it's going to be a pretty interesting, going to be a pretty interesting 12 to 18 months. Lauren, do you have the tweet from Matt Navarra talking about, his perspective on threads, talking about a lot of the same things that you were talking about here, Katie. He says, quote, by time, uh, he's an internet marketing expert. He says, quote, by tying threads to Instagram's two plus billion user social graph to give new users a kickstart addresses one of the biggest frustrations Twitter users are experiencing when trying to quit Twitter, having mm-hmm. to start from zero someplace new. The yeah. fact that Meta has closely copied Twitter's UX UI is intentional and strategically smart. Disgruntled Twitter users want to quit Twitter, but not have to start from zero somewhere else and for their new home to feel familiar. And the timing for the launch is uh, whatever that OK sign emoji is or the, you know, I don't know what you call that emoji, but pretty great (laughs) is what I think they're saying. Elon has handed Zuck a gift with his rate limiting BS. You were talking about that just now. Literally, literally. like The timing for them to have announced threads could not be better. (laughs) And he closes with this. My bags are being packed. So Matt Navarra is off to threads, but I'll leave a spare set of clothes here in case I don't like the new place. I think I'm going to do that as well. I think a lot of people are going to do that as well. And I think you're going to see a lot of creators do that as well, because Mm -hmm. you, you haven't been able to witness this firsthand because you fled the ship well before it really started sinking, but it's just not as enjoyable of a place as it used to be. And it's, become basically impossible to achieve organic growth on a platform Mm. like Twitter, which is not great if you're an indie creator and you need to try to create organic growth for yourself. So maybe a new platform like Threads, where you can kind of get a fresh start, but still be able to use the social reach of Instagram and Meta might be just the thing that you need as a creator to get yourself out there. Only time will tell. 
Yep, we will see what happens. Indeed, but I'm going to tell you what's happening right after this break. We're going to talk to Reb Mazel. It's going to be an absolute blast. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. I actually tried to sign up for Instagram threads with my own personal name, but since I haven't used my Instagram in my personal name in like five years, I forgot the password, and so I don't know what I'm going to do there. I'm going to have to create a whole new account. Ryan Carella here with Katie Zaccardi. Excited to have you joining us, however you're enjoying this program, whether it is on all major podcast platforms or live streaming platforms like Twitch and Facebook or YouTube Live or on Sirius XM 145, wherever you are enjoying this program. We're just glad that you are, and we hope that you tell a friend. Uh, we got a fantastic uh, second segment here. We're going to get right into it with Katie Zaccardi. Let's bring out our guest, Katie. She is an attorney, podcaster, and video creator who regularly entertains her 1.4 million TikTok followers with lawyer hijinks and incisive pop culture insights. You can also check her out on her podcast, Rebuttal, which is available on all major platforms. We are happy to welcome Reb Mazel on a Break the Business. Hey, Reb. Hey, how are you guys? Doing so, so well. Happy to be chatting with you and just, oh, right off the bat, that audio setup that you have there. This is why we love having <laughs> podcasters on because they they come prepared. I, I wish I could say that I didn't just file an ex parte motion literally two minutes before I joined, emailing. I'm glancing at my phone, looking at emails, eating a stale bagel, jumped on <laughs> as fast, jumped on as fast as I could. So Look, just like my TikTok, appearances can be deceiving. I look like I have it together, but in reality, I plugged in way too late. Way too late. But I appreciate that. I do want to talk about that aspect of what you do, because as a lawyer in my own right, uh, finding time for this creative thing 
that I do with Katie and with our producer and with the whole break the business team while handling filings as you're doing or having to hop on a late night meeting with a crazy client. That's that's a that's a balance. And I, I would love to get your perspective on how you do that. But first, I want to kind of carry the conversational thread that we had from the prior segment about Instagram threads. As somebody as active as social media as you are, I would imagine you have thoughts about the new platform. Are you going to move on to Instagram threads? Are you going to make that part of what you're doing? See, my my thing with the new social media right applications platforms waves that are coming up either by design or because a prior beloved platform is going down the tubes sorry if i'm not allowed to curse on here for freaking tubes um you know uh, i i honest to god am just keeping my finger on the pulse of what my followers want and what the people who appreciate my content want and and i am very much when it comes to social media, not the first to enter a wave, right? I'll probably feel it out and see if it's if it's the new thing, if other people have decided, right, to move over and and people are are doing it and they're saying, oh, you're on Twitter, that's washed up, or oh, you're on. Oh, I think we lost Reb there, uh, right in the middle of a scintillating point. I hope we get her back. <laughs> um, but. I, I, that's an interesting perspective that she brought up there about how she intends to take a wait and see attitude towards threads. Whereas I am getting on there yesterday, right? I was just refreshing threads.net the whole time, F5ing it <laughs> for the moment that I could get in. Reb, the much more accomplished person on social media, is being much more nuanced about this. She's not ready to pack yeah. up her things and go to the next hot new platform. She's ready to take her time and go from there. And um, that's probably the better approach and why she's uh, uh, why she's going to be better at this. When we do get her back, I, I, I will ask her about the uh, the balance aspect of this, because here, here's yeah. one of the things I want to talk to her about, Katie, that I think is interesting is um, lawyers, by and large, we don't let them have personalities. I don't know what it is about our profession, <laughs> about about what we expect of lawyers, but. Um, our profession just harbors this expectation that all of us have to just be law robots. And when you work at a law firm, for example, they are very strict about what else you do. You know, if you're going to be on the radio, if you're going to like, I've had lawyers who I want to have on this podcast to talk for five minutes about some legal thing. And they wind up telling me like right before they're supposed to go on. Oh, I can't go. The marketing department of my firm nixed it for reasons X, Y, Z, because, you know, we don't let these lawyers have fun. I mean, the only reason I can do what I do where I'm talking and and getting to say what I want is that, you know, I'm my own boss. And so I don't have to worry about getting a nasty gram from a partner. If I worked, if I was an associate at a law firm, I would, this would be a huge problem for me and I'd get in big, big trouble. Yeah. Are you back, Reb? Did we lose you? In in my defense, the one thing that I did not do was plug in my laptop. So that's my. You know what? I, I <laughs> no, no it I was apologize. a battery issue. I'm. Yeah. It just my laptop just just turned off. I swear it's that. Mine does plug. that too. Mine does I, that I, too. I, I was talking and I'm like, oh word, just go to black. I love that. <laughs> love that for me. Love that for us. I that should not happen again. I'm I apologize. But look, right? You're like, yeah, how how are you planning on you know work, moving over to different to threads to different social medias? I'm like, I'm trying to get my laptop to work. Like I'm doing my best. 
to to literally I'm hanging by the skin of my skin of my teeth. So so I'm sure someone will tell me, like I said, that I'm washed up and need to move over. And at that point, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, while we have you back for the for however long that is. Let let me ask you about the thing that we were just talking about while we had to filibuster while we lost you for a couple minutes, uh, which is this notion that, and this is something I, can, I, I speak to as well as an attorney, which is we don't really let lawyers do what you and I do, Reb, have personalities, be public figures. I've had I've tried to have lawyers on my podcast who are attorneys at law firms who right before they're supposed to go on my show, the attorney calls me apologetically saying, hey, my marketing department at the firm nixed the interview, said I can't do it because we don't let lawyers be interesting. And there was a, you know, one of my favorite uh, lawyers on Twitter is uh, Peter the Law Boy, who hosts the podcast Five Four who recently lost his job as a lawyer because his employer found out that he was hosting this podcast. And I find that to be a troubling trend. I think we want lawyers to get out and engage with the world. And we all have a responsibility to educate the masses about the law, but we don't let lawyers be interesting and have personalities. I believe you actually are a lawyer at a firm. Like what does your firm think about what you do? Do they know what you do? Like, yeah, do you keep so- that hidden? Like, <laughs> No. So, so, you know, what I think is, is unique about what I did from jump, um, kind of because I had those, those issues in mind, right? Like I uh, initially, uh, and you can tell from my content, um, you know, you can scroll all the way back to what 2020, the end of 2020, when I started posting videos, I did not have a plan. I did not intend on it being viral blowing up. I, it was an outlet. It was a creative outlet for me. Um, for me and my five law school followers, like for, for that, I for friends from law school, quite literally, that was it. Um, I was user bunch of numbers with a random profile photo, and that's how I wanted to keep it. And and as you know, we know it quickly kind of grew, and and I think it's definitely grown to be bigger than than me, and 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 I'm really proud of it. But but honestly, the people who follow me and the community that people have built in my comment sections and and with the topics that I that I talk about comment on has been great but from jump i thought okay when i change from user bunch of numbers do i use my real name you know do i use a fake name i at that point had passed the california bar and had started working at a law firm and i am you know a first year associate very much the bottom of the ladder okay the bottom the absolute bottom and and it was also a law firm at the time that was very um it's hard. It's it's weird to use the word conservative, but they were very much right in 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 our you know legal world. There are some firms that are more casual, or you know have kind of progressed with the times of like you can wear jeans and a shirt to work or whatever. If you're going to court, then full suit, whatnot. It was very much a very mostly male um, partner makeup. It was a smaller firm, and it was suit and tie and suit and you know business you know for the the full costume every day. Um, it was very formal and they were much older. And so I thought there's no way in Halibut <laughs> they're going to, they're going to say what's TikTok and oh my, you know, no. So I, you know, made the Reb Maisel account, um, you know, go, went by Reb. I, from that point on, did not post and have never posted my location, my firm name, exactly what I do, right? I say that I do civil defense litigation in any and all areas of law, which is correct, but that's vague, right? I don't talk about my clients specifically. I don't disclose things that I know would implicate my firm or the people that I work with. I don't have anyone in my videos who I work with, like coworkers or whatnot, because I don't want them to be, you know, inherently like have that reflect on them and have everything I say reflect on them, which it shouldn't. 
right? Anything that I say in my personal life shouldn't reflect on how I can do my job when I have my costume on. But I knew that the nature of our profession and the nature of our field is that lawyers need to be lawyers and it needs to be separate. Um, and, and honestly, it was the best thing that I could have done, not because the firms that I've worked at haven't known about it. Every single one has known about it. They've all found out about it. They can, they've watched my, they've seen my videos, they've seen all of that. And their comment, their reaction to it every single time is, well, do you use your real name? I'm like, it's not my real name. Like, do you, you know, do, do, do you talk about the firm? No, I don't talk about our clients. No. Okay. then, yeah, like it's on your free time, right? It's the same thing as, you know, think about how many partners and how many attorneys dabble in, you know, uh, local political situations or on the, or on the board of directors of some company or some nonprofit or some charity, or potentially, you know, are involved in, in some controversial political community, you know, movements there they can't say, you know, I'm a partner of ABC firm when they do it. They just say that they are an Esquire and they're an attorney and that's, you know, that's the end of it. So breaking off that affiliation, my firms, and I think rightfully so, have have, have basically classified this, you know, me, my TikTok personality as me doing something in my personal time as a side gig, a side business, and they don't want to see it if they don't have to see it. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, uh, I, I also think too, right? Like, like I, I want to, and have from jump always stood on the platform of lawyers should have personalities. We should not be right. Just some, some girlies with, with a hard bob and a front bang who look like, you know, someone who, who hasn't seen the sun in 10 years and just haven't, haven't laughed and giggled are the equivalent of an AI GPT bot who, who are attorneys, especially women, you know, female attorneys. So many women think that they need to do so much more to break the stereotype or even get their foot in the door in the field by being that extreme opposite of someone with a personality. And yes, there's so many things that we have to do in court and around other attorneys and co-counsel who are men that, that definitely shouldn't have happened but do happen with respect to you know limiting our our femininity femininity or you know just trying to overcome the stereotype that's inherently applied to us when we walk in the door but but i'm you know happy to say that i am a copy and paste of thousands of women who have long hair and hilarious jokes and where literally three of the partners at my firm were women uh, they're young they're cute and they wear yoga pants to work every day like i think that just having it be visible that these women can be can have personalities is so important. And I hope one day that we won't get fired for uh, having <laughs> platforms because that's unfortunate. It's a bummer. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they were wrong in not using in, in using their real names, you know, like, like, like you know, the host of the five, four podcast. But but I think, you know, I talk about controversial things on my page. I talk about things on my page that, you know, a lot of some of not a lot of but some of my clients might not agree with might not like but by the nature of being an associate at a firm whose clients are the clients of the partner that I'm working for, right? As as lawyers know, like it's not I don't really have a lot of control over who I'm representing or or the issues that I'm that I'm really dealing with. Um, you know, it, it makes sense the the rationale behind it, but I really hope that one day we can just be people online and elsewhere and and not have it be, you know, somehow a representative of how we can do our jobs. 
Well, Which, if anything, if you're the host of the 5-4 podcast, you probably do your job pretty dang well. Like, you probably yeah. do your thing. That's my thing. That's my opinion. But well, I, I think that's what happened to Peter Lawboy is, you know, he 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 did a pretty good job of segregating what he was as an internet personality versus what he was at his company. Like, you have to do a lot of Googling to find out who he is and where he worked. But people found out, and eventually the podcast got so big, and he got so big that there was the, the two things bled into each other, and this very conservative company, you know, your words that he worked for, um, realized they didn't want somebody working for their company who was, you know, having some pretty leftist legal content on his show, and you know, didn't maybe match with the values of some of the people that he worked with. And, you know, that was what the end of what he did as a lawyer. And and that's unfortunate. And I, and I can't help but think about the role that gender plays in it, as you noted, Reb, because you said, like, there is no difference between what you do on TikTok versus when a law firm partner posts political statements on his his Facebook page and, you know, doesn't affiliate himself with the firm when he does it, but still does it. And and you're absolutely right. There is no significant difference there except all of the people that I know who do that, you know, because I, I know plenty of law firm partners who will make those kind of Facebook posts. They're almost always men. We don't let women do that. And, you know, when, whereas when a man does that, we say, oh, that is just a lawyer speaking his mind about an issue of public importance. And I'm guessing when a woman tries to be Reb Maisel, there's a significant portion of the profession that says, oh, that's just a, a girl doing TikToks, which demeans our, our holy profession. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, ab absolutely. And I, and I think that y as women too, what, what I experienced from day one of being a law student, which is, you know, your foot barely in the field as a practicing attorney yet, it, it was always that for me, you know, I, I graduated in, in the top of my class. I, I was on law review. I was on moot court. I did everything possible to get to, to have the best chance, right. Of having my resume look, look glowing and gorgeous and beautiful. Um, and, and I noticed that for me, walking into a room, right, uh, where there are like three attorneys on the other side from a law firm, right, just OCI on campus interviews, going into, you know, interview for internships or interviewing for for internships or externships with with judges, all of that. I walk into a room, right? And I, you know, even though I have a severe bun in my hair and I am looking, you know, sharp, I have every, everything's put together, clean, suit, everything. Anytime I interview with men, I always get treated a little bit differently before and after they have glanced at my resume and actually seen what's on it. They always treat me a little bit differently before they look at it. They treat me like a woman. It's, it's almost like it's just, it's just a hard to explain unless you're a woman in that scenario. But when you have a man who kind of just doesn't take you seriously, they're like, hi, yeah, mm -hmm, nice to meet you. You know, they're kind of like, oh, whatever. And then they look at your resume and then, and then mean business as a woman in this field, that, parallel and be copied and pasted just so many times in the courtroom before you open your mouth and a judge looks at you it, you know with opposing counsel in a mediation or an arbitration before you open your mouth and say say exactly what you need to say they they look at you like you need to prove that you are basically better than what they see and for men what i've found and what i've you know heard and also witnessed with men who who or are in my age group, right? Same age as me, who might be, you know, have a resume that's exactly opposite of mine, bottom of the class, 
did nothing. Um, and also just a general douche canoe. Uh, they walk in <laughs> with a nice, right? They walk in with a nice suit and a, and a decent watch. And they are taken seriously until proven otherwise. And women are not taken seriously until proven otherwise. And, and I won't say that that happens, obviously, every single time. But I think that that comes, that, that also can be copied and pasted to the social media aspect, right? Women who are on social media, even, even the firms that I've had to tell about it, right? Like before, like they didn't find out. I was kind of like, hey, <laughs> so the, you just FYI. Their faces all their, their faces always drain. Like they immediately think that I have like an OnlyFans, or they immediately think that I'm like doing TikTok dances and doing nothing that's like related to my personality. That's very much like you know just a cash grab situation. And I always and and yes, fair for them to think that. But also, right? If I was a man, they wouldn't immediately go to that. They wouldn't immediately think it's an OnlyFans. They would probably think it was a podcast. They would probably yeah. think it was something legitimate. So it just it just stinks to me that the profession. Even though you're able to do it, right? You haven't lost a job yet, or at least not your current job. You still, (laughs) there's still an element of you doing this from the shadows, which is a shame because like with my show, for example, this is the, this program, in addition to being fulfilling in a thousand other ways is the best thing that ever happened to my legal practice. The connections I get from this, the clients that I get from doing this because they see me doing this and they go, he knows something about entertainment law. Let me get him as my attorney. Right. A a law firm that if a law firm was actually able to see past, you know, their own conservatism and realize the marketing power of somebody who has one point four million followers on TikTok and and more on other social media channels and figure, wow, how can we use this to, you know, bring people to our firm to boost awareness and, you know, boost the profile of this young attorney who has engaged a generation who maybe doesn't think about law and legal services yet, but they don't because they're conservative. And that's a shame because if they were willing to unlock what you have to offer, the value of that is tens of millions of dollars more. Right. And, and, you know, I would say that, that, definitely in from the time I started, you know, my my account on TikTok and it started growing. I mean, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of emails, DMs, comments of people who are legitimately right. Either like they're rep- it doesn't have to be just, you know, the the random person saying, hey, my ex was just arrested for DUI. Can you please come help? You know, the, the ones that are a little sketchier, um, very much legitimate companies or of counsel who have reached out and said, hey, you know, I, I want to work with you, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, because I am a a younger associate and because I very much want to keep these two parts of my life separate for, for a right professional reasons for all the reasons that we just talked about, right? Because firms don't really want, they don't like that. They don't want to see, um, you know, someone who could potentially be on a billboard or, or talking, you know, saying the F bomb, every other word on a social media site and talking about their very, you know, know. right. Calling people douche. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, and very much not being, being open, being very open about their views on certain things, their personal views on certain things. They, you know, they don't want that to be something that clients, you know, will connect to their business and connect to their firm because there are people who I work with who are partners and associates who don't align with my values, but who align with my values when it comes to being an attorney and when it comes to doing our jobs. And as we know, you can very much be a very um, political person in the sense that you have opinions about literally anything mild that impacts our country or our or society. And, and 
not have those views impact the way that you practice in the sense that you're not right. Like, like you could read a brief on any random legal issue in this country, right? Pull a motion out of the docket on any federal docket, that's for sure. And not be able to guess what side of the fence any of the attorneys are who are arguing it because very much the legal issues that we're arguing aren't inherently political except for, you know, a certain subset. But right, you're, you're arguing precedent. You're arguing, you're arguing in a court of law. I, I think that that absolutely social media is for the most part an untapped um commodity that a lot of law firms aren't taking advantage of and the ones that are are very much the ones who are are the sole practitioners who are getting yeah. after it and they've got you've seen on TikTok, on instagram on twitter on facebook they're after it they are right i i even i'm mutuals with a lot of attorneys on TikTok who who've who've blown up and who who get calls all the time and they absolutely advertise their full government name you know on their page but most of the time it's it's solo practitioners who can do their own thing and don't have anyone who can tell them otherwise so i think you know i i think that one day maybe for me um but but for now also another thing that that a lot of attorneys and i'm not saying just because you're a man you wouldn't understand this but for my own safety and privacy that was also the main thing in the forefront of my mind when I did when I didn't do my real, you know, I didn't post my bar number on my on my mm. um, site is because, as you know, um, at least where I practice in California, you have to post like like California bar website, everything in most state bar websites. It'll have your full name, your bar number and the address of where you work and your email and your phone number. And and I had a few times where someone found me online, which, you know, like if you really worked hard enough and were a weirdo, then you could. Um, and they were calling uh, my HR department at my firm. They were like threatening me and oh. all these things. And my and of course, my law firm handled it, um, you know, well, right. They weren't assuming that it was my fault or my problem. Um, and they were very much putting my privacy and my safety at the forefront of their minds. But people, the general public, the one thing I've learned from TikTok is the general public is insane. No offense, but full offense to everyone who's the general public. Like, like, truly, everyone's insane. Even my fans love them to death. They're insane. They're insane. They've, they've, they've forced people to get off TikTok just because they've said like mildly, you know, critical things of me, and they've bullied them into into next Tuesday, which I don't condone. Yeah, but they kind of deserved it most of the time. But, (laughs) but right, I'm saying that that obviously as a woman and as a man too, but as a woman, like I, I. I wouldn't I, I want to be able to walk to my parking garage and not and not feel like I need to be escorted. That would be a little much, especially because I'm trying to learn the ropes. I'm trying to be an associate. I'm trying to learn how to practice by literally practicing law. And I'd like to not be fielding right like uh, people around my own place of work. Man. All right. Reb, here's my dilemma. Um, I have like three minutes left before we lose radio. And I have like a thousand more questions for you. I have not allowed Katie Zaccardi to get a word in edgewise and just the ultimate display of the patriarchy that we're trying to smash uh, on a daily (laughs) basis around here. Uh, Katie, do you have any questions for Reb? I'm so sorry. Sorry. I also am on tangents at the end. So keep going. No, like I didn't interrupt because I I just love everything you were there saying you and I'm just like furiously nodding my oh, head no. I feel like a lot of my questions are around TikTok but it almost feels so silly to go there after like the epic mic we can go there it's okay <laughs> <laughs> we can go there well because I mean I feel like where people can learn for you and my biggest question is like how do you think or like what do you think the top one to three things are that helped you grow such a 
fired up fan base who would go to bat for you when needed. Uh, absolutely. And, and, and I would say, unfortunately, just because I know that our absolutely our field should, should be pushing toward, you know, lawyers being more out and open, but I think, um, with our full name and government name and bar numbers and et cetera. But I think because I was able to use a name that wasn't my real government name, um, and be able to just completely disconnect it from my firm and from my professional life, it has become a safe haven for me. And, and it very much shows, I think, in my content because I don't, when I think about what I post, I'm not thinking about it through the lens of my firm and my boss and my bar number and a judge watching it. I'm thinking it of it through the lens of if I got zero views on this, would I still post it? If mm -hmm. I get a million, would I still post it? Right. And if the answer is yes to both of those questions, I post it. And it, it, it very much is based on what I feel like posting at the time. They're not planned out. You know, the transcript series has become a little bit more planned out. Um, but yeah, I think number one is just authenticity for who I am and what I genuinely believe. And number two is just not being, not being swayed by what is most popular among the legal community or the law community to put out, mm. I guess. Um, and, and number three, being careful of, of staying away from posting like legal advice for sure. Um, and that, that could potentially result in a malpractice suit as we know, as we know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just, and also interacting a lot like interact with the people in your comments, comment back, reply back to everyone if you want to, or if you don't have time to, I reply back to the one, like my videos that get lower views. I'm almost excited because then I get to reply back to everyone and talk to people and people <laughs> respond to that. People want to be seen and heard. And I've learned so much from my followers that I'm not just putting out content that I think will be, you know, the next cash grab. I'm putting out things that I hope will reach the people that I love and that I would, I would follow. All right. We did you so dirty here, Reb, because we didn't <laughs> yeah. even talk about your podcast rebuttal, which is available on all major pod platforms and is definitely worth checking out. I was I was consuming a few of them before the show. It was really just like you know, quite a mind bleep. It was really cool. Um, <laughs> you know, we didn't talk about like my favorite thing that you do on TikTok, which is reading the court transcripts, which is awesome. Um, so like all, all I can do is just like beg you to come back on again soon Absolutely. so we can. OK, good. All right. So <laughs> let, let me close with face, this then. Now that, now that we have your firm binding commitment to come back soon, <laughs> let me let me do the final question question here. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Put your content first, not the money first. If your content makes sense for who you are, the money will follow. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Reb, you're the best. Um, you know, you can meet your heroes. See, it, it was a. It was, it was, this was everything I hoped it would be. Uh, really appreciate you. You know, giving us a window into to your world as a as a creator, as a professional. Really, really exciting stuff. And uh, again, you know, please come back real soon. Will do. Thank you, Katie and Ryan, for having me. I really appreciate it, you guys. Our thanks to Reb Mazel, to producer Lauren, and to you as well, Katie Zaccardi, always bringing it. And thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.